Pianist Monty Alexander is a musician who loves it all. He draws on the native music he experienced growing up in Jamaica, the jazz he heard from touring American musicians, and the attitude and music of the westerns that inspired his dreams of an adventurous life in America. I'm Judy Carmichael, and this is Jazz Inspired. Monty Alexander and I met at Nova Studios in New York City in 2008 for the following conversation, where at the time I commented that Monty has been said to focus on the joy he creates with his music. Every time I play the piano, I want to enjoy it. Mm. And of course, you can play something that's uh, quiet and thoughtful and something that's also from another perspective, but also that brings me a, a certain enjoyment in being able to experience that. And I like to play pieces that are meditative, if you will. But for the most part, when I come to the piano, I want to find a way to be happy about everything, life, mm. you know, and even one way to get rid of the doldrums. So that, that's what I do when I play, and um, without being sorry about it either. No, I love that, because I know when I first came to jazz, I didn't think I liked it because people would take me to jazz clubs and everybody seemed so depressed, you yeah, know. Right. And I remember the first time I heard you specifically because it was so joyous. Really? And then to read about you saying that's a conscious philosophy, I love that. Well, I think water seeks its own level and we end up being uh, attracted to what we also like. I appreciate and honor and respect the great artists that do with different ways. I absolutely do. Mm -hmm. But I gravitated towards Louis Armstrong when I was a kid, and I saw him in person. And lo and behold, here's this bundle of joy up there playing a trumpet, you know, and making me happy because he was an entertainer. Mm -hmm. And I also considered myself an honorable entertainer because <laughs> I feel a responsibility to uplift people. And uh, when I play, I used to hear people saying, oh, he's playing for the people. Well, isn't that a good reason to play? You're playing for people to to receive some kind of uplift from the doldrums of their day. Mm. And um, I feel like that's a great thing to do. So it happened for me way back in my hometown of Kingston when I would see the Calypso musicians, when they would be typical where when the tourists are there and they're sitting around the beach swimming pool and they hear the Calypso music in the background. These people are laughing and they're smiling and they're telling you about little naughty things going on and <laughs> or, or, or stories about life. And there's 90% of the time it's a big smile on everybody's face. So I saw that. I saw Louis Armstrong, and I used to go to the movies and see the cowboys as a kid. And that made me happy because they would be singing about nature in a way that made you happy to think you were be tumbling with a tumbleweed or something <laughs> like that, or being on the trail. So it made me happy. So that's somehow still in my attitude when I play. Cowboy band. 
and the Sons of the Pioneers on I'm an Old Cow Hand. I'm Judy Carmichael, and this is Jazz Inspired. My guest is pianist Monty Alexander. It's so wonderful that you have stayed in touch so beautifully with the music that you grew up with because a lot of people that come to America to be jazz musicians they want to recreate it or you know they mm-hmm. polish it off and it's it, there's repertory piece you know what I mean it's that kind of thing which you mix it up with all these different things which is fantastic first of all I'm kind of a lazy guy to go, <laughs> I don't believe that it's true it's, it's, it's I mean if I'm put in front of a situation then I have to be the best I can be and I come up with a system that allows me to, to do that. But I, um, I'm kind of lazy. So what I have to do is find the best way possible to release this madness, the sponge that I sucked up all this stuff. That's why people say to me, some, have you heard that new guy, that new music? That means I can't even handle listening to a new guy because there's so much stuff seems to be in my head already. It's going to burst. And that's a real problem for a guy like me. I mean, listen, I'm still trying to soak up Duke Ellington, you know? Right, and, right. And um, so it's a problem for me. I walk in a record shop and I get a headache because yeah, there's all these brilliant people coming up with stuff to make guys like me crazy. <laughs> <laughs> well, talk about your latest CD because I finally get to have someone who knows ska <laughs> explain it to okay. me. Well, okay, ska. With those of us <laughs> hear these words and want to know what it is to apply some real, authentic knowledge to it. Okay, it's typical <laughs> of all these words that got invented. Why did they happen? Why did the word jazz come? You know, there's all these interpretations, you know, among them, you know, some risque stuff about French people. I don't even know that, you know. Then there is, uh, what is Boogie Woogie? You know, right. Boogie Woogie, it's this thing when the guy is rumbling those keys. with the, with the I can hear it in the rhythm, right? right. Ska is when I think one of our folks, the musicians, who just had a way of expressing himself, when they were trying to describe what the rhythm should be for a particular accompaniment for some of these singers that would come into the studio in Kingston back in the late 50s. By the way, I was there at 14 years old, sneaking out of school to play on these (laughs) records. I was. And I heard them say, you know, play that song with that beat. You know, the beat that goes, ska, 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 ska. Ska, ska, ska. And the word ska got around. It was just the way he would express it uh, vocally that actually took root. And that's about as close as 
an accurate thing I can come up with. Oh, that's wonderful. And I'm pretty sure that's it because the word just got around to some people who said, we want to merchandise this thing and we're going to have a, we've got to name it. And really all it was was Jamaicans who were infatuated with all that R&B music coming out of New Orleans in in the mid 50s, whether by Ray Charles or Little Richard or Fats Domino or so many of those New Orleans guys Louis Jordan, who mm. had the boogie beat. And the win, when the Jamaican applied his approach to it, it had its own inflection. Mm. And it ended up being a sound. And a lot of times, saxophone player that didn't tune up well, the guitar player's out of tune, the microphone is all broken down, the people singing are singing so primitively raw because they didn't have a good school education and they'd say the words all screwy. <laughs> and that's what became a whole identifiable thing. But it was the blues. Uh, it was 12-bar blues. Most of those songs were the blues, just like I heard Ray Charles and uh, Jimmy Reed and Louis Armstrong and later on Sweet Citizen and Marshall Royal. Those three chords. Monty Alexander from his CD, Rock Steady, with guitarist Ernest Wranglin. Talk about what this means to you, this okay. Rock Steady, this CD, because it really, well, well, <laughs> it's great, because it seems to me to bring together all these different things yeah, you've well, been playing the big, all these years. The big thing, first of all, this features this incredible longtime friend of mine. He's a great guitarist named Ernest Wranglin. And Ernie just plays anything 
anyhow, anyway, anyway on that guitar of his. He makes it like the old timers used to say, he makes it talk. Mm. You know, it says, yeah, you make it talk. Well, I've been watching him from I was 14 years old. Mm. And uh, we're still at it. And every now and then, we're invited to do something. And what Ernie did with Jamaican music, even though he was a disciple of Django Reinhardt and Charlie Christian, absolutely. Marvelous, incredible guitar player. But he's about what, you know, he helped them in the studios. He taught Bob Marley the guitar. So he's a very, very important person to this whole thing. And Ernie's like a big child, mm. kind of like maybe I am. <laughs> and I am currently enjoying my memories of the, the Western movies, and I like to put on my boots every now and then. And, and the cover. Right. We're on radio, but people have to get this <laughs> for the music. But the cover, the two of you dueling there with him aiming his guitar That's at right. you, if you, look, you in you, your cowboy outfit. But if you look closely, you'll see that I draw from my holster a peace weapon. It's a melodica. Exactly. It's not a Colt 45 or one of those pistols and things no, that's that hurt what's people. So, that's what's so wonderful. And that's how the CD is because the two of you are really we're, we're you're wrangling with your right. music. Well said. And that's kind of... And But the, the thing about it, that's a little hook. Okay, so it's my personal kick with the western thing and the whole fantasy of that but that was a part of the music because these guys who made that music and most of them were from challenged communities they would go to the movies on the weekend and see Roy Rogers and, and Buck Jones and see uh, Whip Wilson and Wild Bill Elliott and whoever it was and they'd love talking about it man did you see when the guy was behind the rock and the, and the guy shot the other guy and the guy, whatever it was or he played that song whatever that song was in Yodelaydu you learned to yodel as a kid and that, that's very good they tell me I'm working on my yodeling album <laughs> but that's kind of the spirit of what this is and I remember being in the studios and the musicians loving to talk about the, the cowboys and I found out later on how much it meant to people around about my age I mean especially musicians that people had come from uh, life not the pampered life but just life uh, guys that I've met if you start talking about these Western heroes, that was the greatest source of joy in the weekend after they went through that boring thing called school. Mm. When Saturday morning come, man, we, the best thing we could do besides chasing the cute little girl down the street mm -hmm. was go to the movie theater and ride along with our heroes, be it Lone Ranger or Happy. <laughs> and if you talk to any of these men, you're going to hear them talking about their heroes. I spoke to on the telephone about two months ago, one of my heroes, Herb Jeffries. Oh, yeah. And Herb sang with Duke Ellington. Flamingo, right? <laughs> but he was a great cowboy star for American, African Americans, and he came up with making his movies. And he told me he, he likes to sing jazz concerts, but he also goes out and plays cowboy. And he's 93 years old. So anyway, I could go on about Oh, that. no, see, there's all of us closet cowboy, you know, Western swing lovers I think lovers a certain things. lady I'm talking to yeah. is another one. <laughs> no, absolutely, boy. I think it's uh, I think it's there. A lot of people don't admit it. Yeah. You know, a lot of the cool jazz guys don't well, want to say that they're really... high on being serious. And they, I know. I, like, if I was getting lofty here, they worship at the altar of intellectualism. Yeah. Intellectualism is making people so blue. And I think we need to be like children. And I think if you think about our favorite musicians, be it Louis or Eric Garner or Sonny Rollins, I can think of a bunch of them. When they play, you're looking at a little kid who's picked up the instrument for the first time.
Carol Garner on Indiana. I'm Judy Carmichael, and this is Jazz Inspired. I'm talking to my guest, Monty Alexander, about the importance of joy in music. Before I play, I go through a little mental process, if I remember to, to be it pray, be it talk myself into it. This is strange when I say this. It's to get out of my own way. Yeah. Let me get out of my own way now so that all this stuff can just fill me up and that's what I'll release when I play for people. That's so wonderful. Yeah. Were you ever nervous performing? I still get nervous. You do. But I get nervous if I don't sometimes if I don't do that. And if I mean sometimes I get this little edge and I and I turn it into, yo, I get nervous because I care, right? Right, of Because I really care, but you just don't want to over over care. So nervousness is a big part of what we do that makes it good. Mm. And um, I read about Arthur Rubinstein at 90 years old talking about the butterflies, or 80, however old he was. Mm -hmm. Sinatra had it. Yeah. He'd get the butterflies before he performed. And um, Nat Cole had ulcers. So we care. This is not some, oh, I don't care thing. We, right. we do. We really do. I mean, some guys care less when they have a few drinks or get high. Mm. And I don't, I don't myself believe that's the way to go. Let's mm -hmm. stay pure and healthy and that's the purest and healthiest version of what you can play and sing. Yeah, well then nothing's in the way of the music. That's exactly right it's because the, right the truth is you. the music is even more than upliftment, it's a healing for people. I've seen it happen I see people coming together when normally they'd never talk to one another and they'll sit in that room and if that thing takes off, the music, the inspiration almost like church, right? Mm, absolutely. At the end of the concert, they all want to invite each other over for a friendly gathering. Isn't that beautiful? I'm glad to hear you say that because I've noticed that and people talk about cheering people with the music and things but I've seen this transformation you're talking about which I think is deeper that if they have that really joyous experience that all of a sudden a bunch of people that didn't look that friendly get very friendly just as you're talking about. That's right and in my case it's probably a little more unusual because I'm, I'm from a multicultural society. Jamaica is a place where even though it's mainly African roots, there are people from all over the world there. And uh, m many of us are multi-ethnic, mixed race, all that stuff, right? Which we never thought about much. Mm -hmm. I came to America and I saw a lot of confusion yeah. about that sort of thing. And when I do things these days, I found that I have an audience um, where, to call it the, most, the, the more mature, sophisticated people who like music a certain way. And I look around and I see these people that, are into the groove and the rhythm and just the, the raw way of looking at life and they're all in the same room together and that sometimes it blows my mind. You see a guy with dreadlocks over there and then some uh, banker from uh, Wall Street, mm -hmm. you know? But jazz is, is the art that should do it when you think about it because it is quintessentially, to me, American in that it is the result of all this mixture. It's the probably... It should the, be coming together. I think it's the most wonderful result that has ever happened that is a representation in um, aesthetics, you know. Mm -hmm. It represents what we want to be. Yes, and what we hope that America represents. Exactly. That's that it. everybody can play together, yeah. all these different, it's got the European roots, it's got the Jamaican influence, it's got the African everything. influence, everything. And we come together when we can't even speak the same language. Mm. So um, I read a quote that Clint Eastwood, who was a jazz musician <laughs> at heart, Right. said, he said, the two greatest contributions from America as far as culture is American jazz and as far as uniqueness and the Western. 
the western, the film western. And you know, here that, you are. Oh, there it is. <laughs> you came guy. for I'm... both of them. For both of them. And I loved. I read that you performed Rhapsody in Blue, and I love your your version of it. And more people, I always feel, should take that piece and go off well, what and happened? go a little crazy. That's, but I loved what you did. It's a scary that, story, I have to tell you. That it has a... to be scary, but the way you handled it. Well, I don't read music, and I had to listen to that thing 5,003 times, aye, whatever. Aye. And, I, and I got it pretty much under my belt and uh, realized that, well, George Gershwin was giving himself a lot of freedom with this stuff because he was obviously infatuated with, with blues and Latin rhythms. And um, once I realized that, some of my fear went away because I had to memorize it. And I played it with an orchestra, and the conductor was in the most incredible person that, of, of what we're talking about, mm. Bobby McFerrin. Right. He was a conductor, and he, um, he, he was just a lot of fun. I forgot my part in the music. I forgot the cadenza or something. And I remember they all looked at me in horror. This guy forgot the part. <laughs> and I looked oh. out at that audience of a thousand people and I just I just stood up and I looked at them and I said folks I forgot my part <laughs> and they, they looked appalled and then they laughed they must have loved you and I sat down I started from the beginning and I went all the way to the end I don't know how good it was but at the end I got the ovation <laughs> and that's the last time I did it what did Bobby McFerrin do well he, he looked horrified too because <laughs> then, then, then we laughed and we and then we did some music together and it was uh... just big fun you know
Monty Alexander playing Blue Rhapsody from his CD Impressions in Blue. I'm Judy Carmichael, and this is Jazz Inspired. Monty talked about one of his favorite musicians, Carmen Cavallaro. First of all, anybody who played any musical instrument when I was a kid was someone to admire. Be it a guy playing a homemade banjo, playing the folk music back in Jamaica, a guy playing an accordion, which I had one, by the way, and I used to go sit in with these different folk groups. But I would hear the um, piano being played, and the fact that this man had a way of making a melody the way he did it, it was so unique, and it reminded me of a classical style of playing. And later on, when I heard Rachman Enough, I heard that kind of way that they'd play two hands and play the melody, and then he'd embellish it with all this other stuff, you know? And I know your, you know, hip kind of folks would look at that and say, oh, man, that's so corny. But he made that melody sing like nobody's business, and I was just fascinated with the fact that this man did it in such a marvelous way. So I, I just took to that, and I was able to create that kind of effect somewhat. And I saw him perform, and he came to Jamaica, and, of course, he had a big turn-up because he was a popular, popular uh, musical instrumentalist. And then there was a movie called Eddie Duchin's Story in which he played Dizzy Fingers mm-hmm, mm-hmm. and Brazil and all a nocturne in E-flat, but, of course, very sort of illegitimately, if you know what I mean. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. But I just love that he made the piano sing. Carmen Cavallero on I Didn't Know What Time It Was. Judy Carmichael's Jazz Inspired is produced in association with Steinway and Sons. Thanks also to Carol Phillips and Jamie Pierce. For a discography of the music played on our show and a schedule of upcoming programs, visit our website at jazzinspired.com. You can email us at info at jazzinspired.com. I'm Judy Carmichael, and this is Jazz Inspired. My guest is pianist Monty Alexander. You talk about music being everywhere when you were growing up, and I think about this because as an American, I've noticed in other countries I've gone to, not all countries, but but certainly uh, Latin countries, I notice it in a big way, that music is so important to people. And I find here in America that there's people that music is important to, and then there's everybody else that listen to music when they're in high school, you know, the pop music. Then they seem to sort of drift away from it, and it won't have a passionate place in their life. Maybe also because a lot of what's being heard now and in the last several years is manufactured music, and it doesn't have a heart core. 
It mm. doesn't touch your soul or your heart because how can a machine touch your heart? Right. I mean, to some extent, you hear a talented singer going bonkers with the notes and what they do that and a, a nice melody occasionally. Mm. But it's very rhythm-oriented these days, what's going on in popular music. And um, that's fine. And I come from this society where everything is grooving. Mm -hmm. The trees, you see a groove when the right. tree's shaking. You know, but that's what I mean. You came from a society where everything was right. about music. So those of us that grew up with that um, and have that um, reference, music is in our bones all our lives. And I wonder about the kids today or the younger people that are exposed to this other thing that's really a quick fix because a lot of the music that comes out on the popular medium is manufactured and specifically made to have a, a, a lasting effect of maybe four weeks or six weeks or two months or how long. Like, let's work that thing and they'll, we'll jam it down their throat so after a while, you know, and then we'll give them the next thing. So there's a whole machinery that is so-called music. Mm -hmm. And that's not the music. It's the business of mm -hmm. how to make these sounds sell, right? Mm -hmm. But then there's this thing where people make songs and they get happy, they make the songs, and then the person on the other end hear the song and everybody dancing and we're singing. And we're in a system that, that has forced that out and made it a very, very uh, secondary mm -hmm. thing. It's just that it's not important anymore. Where it wasn't a matter of whether it was important or not in a lot of places, and in America in earlier times, it was just was. It was a reality of life that there was this music coming at you, but we had a better way to absorb it. Mm. And it would get into your heart and your soul, and you'd sing in it, and, you know, I think it had a more meaningful effect on our lives. Mm. I mean, I'm still remembering Roy Rogers. Right, you know? exactly. No, I'm um, the same way. I remember I was an old movie fan. I watched all those Fred Astaire, Ginger Rogers things. What can I, I say? I can still That's see it. those and start crying because it brings it all back to me. And, it, and as you're describing this, it seems to me it's like the way they talk about food now. It's as if yes. it, it's oral junk food right. so that the kids grow up with music that has no substance and they don't know what substance tastes like. In this case, they don't know what substance sounds like, so they That's don't it. connect to it. That's, That's it. interesting. I see, I see that with the food, they're making a real hard effort to turn it around because they mm -hmm. see that kids are going to die out young. Right. Because um, they're overweight and... There's fat food, whatever right. that is. I'm not a food expert, yeah, but, but I no, see but the, but they're they coming can't. to terms with it now. Exactly. To exactly. save lives. Mm -hmm. So, But, of course, the music thing is not so much on people's minds because it's a more subtle need. Exactly. It's a more subtle need. But, of course, you know, people are saying, well, at least turn that thing down in your car radio because when you come booming down the block with that thing that breaks my bones, not just my eardrums. Mm. And that's really um, a shocking testament to to what's going on. Do you play a lot of colleges? I have in earlier times, but mm. um, I am uh, not, not playing as them. No, and I do younger miss people it. come to the festivals that you do, or is it...? I um, see a lot, a lot of younger people, yes, come in and... Because um, they're hungry for it, I They think. are hungry. And what has happened, and it's both good and maybe not related to the lifestyle I come from. The music schools are happening now, mm. and that is a great, great thing. Mm -hmm. But yet, there is such an industry attached to it. There's such a, a system, and there's such a, a, I don't know how to put it. It's like all these wonderfully talented people are going to the school, and they are turning out of the school very much like one another. So this sense of uh, uniqueness is less liable to happen. And I can't proclaim that I know the answer, but um, it's almost nothing like it was. 
No, and I, you need, I think you need more audience development. Everyone talks about churning out more musicians, yeah. but they have nowhere to play. That's and right. If there isn't an audience that appreciates them. And That's right. I just had a friend of mine who went to a concert and at 40 had this epiphany, and she said, I finally understood the joy hmm. that people get from concerts. And she was one of those typical Americans that we're talking about who listen to pop music and this, but through me as a friend has started going to jazz concerts and trying to get it, and she finally got it. She got zapped. She got zapped. <laughs> but And she was just sort of shaken by it. And I thought, wow, that's now she'll be a person that will seek out music, because she really, but her exact words were, I understand the joy mm -hmm. that people yes. talk about. But it took that long, and it took the right yeah. and setting, it may, it because could, she wasn't brought up with it. It may never have happened. That, that lady could have lived her whole life and never had had that exactly. moment. And, you know, And it just, like I said, for me, it was a zap, too. You mm. get these things happen, and you get another zap here, another zap there, <laughs> next thing you know, hey, I want another zap. <laughs> exactly. Well, and Nat Cole's one of those. Now, there's a joyous, joyous. Oh, man. Musician, singer, pianist, one yeah. of your influences. And one of our, we share that as we well. I'm a that, huge Nat fan. Well, you know, um, when I was a kid and I heard those songs, and that was that relates to my family life because I would hear my mother and my father, you know, they'd be dancing to those love songs or they'd be singing in the house. I'd hear all these ballads. You know, it had nothing to do with the great pianist version of mm. Nat King Cole that I found out a little while after was the, the great not exactly. But what he did with a melody and the fact that he would he wouldn't do the kinds of things that jazz people are supposed to do, like go shooby dooby ooby. <laughs> he didn't do that. He just sang the melody I think it. the way Irving Berlin wanted to hear it. You know, and he would caress it and you'd hear that sound, it would just made you he invited you into his his warmth. Mm. And you heard that and I picked this up and I said, Listen to this guy and um he remind, you know, here's another cowboy re reference. It reminded <laughs> me of Gene Autry. Because when I heard Rudolph the Red-Nosed Reindeer, and then I heard this man, Nat King Cole, singing a children's song, Kimo, Kaimo, all these little children's songs, I thought it was the same guy. Uh, you know, and then I kind of put them together, and then I said, no, no, it's different people. And um, he um, had a big effect on me. And when I hear his songs today, instant good feeling. You know, you could be having a rough moment and put on that and something says, ah, cool it, take, take it easy.
had to be a great advantage to, in a way, to not come from America because you seem open in a way mm -hmm. that I think a lot of Americans would have thought, oh, that's corny. And because you didn't have any of those preconceived notions, you just heard the essence of what these people were communicating through their music. Absolutely. And I always had that. But it took me a while to be pleased and proud of it because if, I'd had, if I didn't have a stronger conviction of my own character, I would have allowed the naysayers and the negative commentaries from the people out there who are so opinionated and so expert about this and that. I run from the experts like, <laughs> like the plague. I don't like to read what they say about me or other people I like. Because if they say things that are complimentary and you kind of go with saying, I like it, then when they say something bad, then you want to go kick them, you know? <laughs> so I try not to even look at that stuff. But I, ha I went through a process of, like, I don't care what you think. I don't care what you think. I'm going to have my own fun here, me and these few people sitting here. We're gonna how did you do that? Because that's a tough process. How old well, were I you just, and how did you well, do that? I mean, that? when you're impressionable and you're in your early 20s and mm -hmm. you want to fit in with a hip crowd of people mm -hmm. and you kind of see what that is and you decide for one reason or another, that's not really my philosophy. You know, if there's a collective philosophy, and there basically was, you know, it's like we and them, you know. No. We, let's say we, yeah. we, are the wor we are the world, we're a family, you know, mm -hmm. and when you specifically make yourself to be different or better than, mm. then you run into a problem. And um, my life growing up in Jamaica was, uh, we have this saying, which is like, e pluribus unum, it says, out of many, one people, which means we're all valuable. Mm -hmm. Nobody better than the other, you know, I mean, uh, some people more educated, but we all have a heart and soul. And uh, nobody's better. We're all in the same boat. Like Noah had the ark, two cows, two dogs, two birds. Mm -hmm. So we're a family, and um, that thing is division. Mm. It comes from people who want to say, I know more than you. You yeah. know, I mean, that's just my outlook. Of course, yeah, yeah, yeah. of course, I saw prejudice against them. <laughs> <laughs> so it's I'm okay. Well, I'm prejudiced <laughs> against them, too. <laughs> well, how did you learn to play you did take piano lessons but you don't read music so how long did you take piano lessons i had piano lessons from about seven years old till i was about 12 13 off and on with about three different ladies who taught and being that jamaica is tuned into the british system at these high schools there would be a, a teacher just always happened to be a woman in later years and they were connected with what's known as the royal schools of music and they had these uh, different grades when you did well and you would go up to grade two or then grade three and you started playing a little Mozart and a little... But, but from the earlier times, after the original few nursery rhyme things that I would play, I started getting turned off. Why? Because I just didn't have good luck with, even though I know I learned certain things, the teachers, and one in particular, and I, you know, I know she's passed on and I want to say good things, but I remember <laughs> she... she she did a whole lot of rapping on my knuckles. Mm. And you know what that is when you're oh, a no, kid. Oh, no, I had a terrible teacher. So when they start <laughs> rapping you on the knuckles and tell you to sit this way and sit and don't do this, and I heard that you and you were in your practice class, Alexander, you were playing boogie-woogie. I say, yes, in my heart, you know, because I want to play boogie-woogie more than Bach at the time. So I was rebelling from an early age, but that didn't stop me from playing the piano. Mm. So I would go play and play rhythms and play melodies and... And I heard it on the radio. I heard, you know, songs that were just popular songs. I heard Patti Page and Tennessee Ernie Ford and just popular songs, you know. And I, I didn't know when it became jazz. 
But little by little, I joined into the family of quote-unquote jazz people, and mm. I was able to fit in. You That's know. great. So piano playing, it comes from the sheer desire to, to play the instrument with both hands, and I lean towards the two-handed folks, which are less and less. Yeah. We have some terrific players and instrument, in, inventive and great, and, but I don't hear as much as I'd like to, because in the early days, as you know... <laughs> You had to provide the rhythm section. Yeah. You had to be the bass player, the drummer, and everything. And you had to, as they used to say, rock the joint, even when you didn't have the drummer and the bass player. Mm -hmm. That's how you kept the job. Yeah, yeah. And that's kind of the world like, I relate to. Yeah, and Tatum. Well, when you mention Tatum, now you're talking about something that happened was like a guy from another planet. <laughs> The brother from another planet. The brother from another planet. That's brother, that brother was from another planet. And he got zapped by something that is not of this world. And in, in such a way where his um, expertise was just phenomenal. And uh, anybody who might be considered second in terms of that kind of greatness is so way down the line second <laughs> from what Art Tatum did on the piano. The uh, approach he had. Right. I can't, um, and I think he had a big effect on modern music in general because he had a way of playing those alternate harmonies that I think um, people heard that and put it down on paper and started writing charts with what Tatum was doing. He was hearing that stuff long before because he was playing the classics, he was playing blues, he was playing boogie woogie, stride, and, uh, and he just put it together like no one has before or since. All about. the time. He was having big fun. Yeah. The whole time. You're absolutely right. And um, I don't think people could play with him because if you had a rhythm section with Art, he um, seems like he'd uh, get held back. You mm. felt that, you know, because you heard this other way. Mm -hmm. And when he had the bass and the drums or the bass and the guitar, it was great. It was like incredible because I think he did that being commercial because of what Nat Cole had done mm. with a trio. But he had so much music in him. You was... think he was happy as solo? Absolutely. Because he was completely yeah. free to do his thing. Play whatever, whenever, however. He had these things that were fairly worked out, I know. But um, he just, uh, another league.
like all the rhythm guys. I love the rhythm guys, but I love the melody guys too. Yeah, yeah, you know, yeah. I, I I do. I love what can happen, but I like when the, the rhythm is sure. You know, I also like that. Why do you think so many people get away from melody? Because all these people you're mentioning, of course, came out of great rhythm and melody, and some of the people after that did too. But so many people seem to just why did they get away from the melody? Adrift. Because they they have that other way of looking at things, and I think um, if you got uh, a thrill from it, you're gonna play it. And if you're thrilled somewhere else, I guess. But all I know is um, I used to hear that Lester Young would wait for Sinatra's next release so he could go and hear what the melody w was and how he treated it and the way he expressed the lyrics. Oh, Lester that's Young did. That's a fact. Mm -hmm. He go get the next album of Frank Sinatra even back in the 40s. I know Miles Davis loves Sinatra. Oh, yeah. He loves Sinatra. I had Sarah Vaughan tell me Sinatra was her favorite singer. There you go. Because he, uh, he went with all of his uh, larger-than-life personality and the way he would be with life when it came to music. This, this man meant, he meant business, you know? Mm. So the melody uh, is a vital part of what I try to do. Mm. And if you put your inflection and you put your soul into this thing, it, makes all the difference. Monty Alexander on Jumpin' at Capital from his CD Impressions in Blue. I'm Judy Carmichael and this is Jazz Inspired.
Marty talked about one of his major influences, Oscar Peterson. Oscar Peterson was to me this incredible combination of a brilliant classical pianist, at least if he had wanted to be, and the touch that he had on the instrument. And of course, I'd already heard classical pianists and was taken. Of course, I was scared because I could never play like that in my mind. But I heard Franz Liszt pieces and people playing like that, the, the way they made this piano sound, Chopin and all that. And I heard that coming from Oscar Peterson. But in the middle of all of this was this fierce boogie-woogie piano player. <laughs> so I heard this man with this very powerful, strong personality that every note he had had danger on it. <laughs> you know what I mean? It was like, you know, and you felt that and you would play everything and it was like almost overpowering sometimes. But you heard it and you said, this is a guy with so much determination and power in what he was doing. I was I was also amazed by it. So he, he also affected me because he could pack a punch. You know, and, you, and all of, I mean, to, to, that's a part of me. I want to pack a punch when I play. Mm -hmm. So he was a, an inspiration in that regard. I'm thinking of the people you've mentioned, which I think applies to you when I hear your music, is it's a wonderful intensity and heat and passion coming from it. And, you know, that hard swinging thing, but really cool. At the same time, that's a hard thing to combine. I don't know what made me like that that would be uh, something to strive for, but that, that is me. That's me. I want it burning but so cool. Yeah. You know, I like it. I like to be able to play with passion and yet kind of take it easy. Yeah, yeah, you know? yeah. Take I hear that. I appreciate that because when I was listening to all those stride guys, when I was coming up, the ones I liked like a Fats Waller or Basie when he was doing more stride because they did it effortlessly. They were very cool, even though all this locomotion yes. was happening. Because the other people, you can hear them panting. Yes. You know what I mean? When people try to play stride, you're yes. sort of... Well, I have to tell you, I'm sitting here talking to you, and um, I've been going on and on about what I do and what I've done. But what you do is in a world all its own, and it's so wonderful, by the way. I love Aww. it. I love what you do. And, um, Thank the, you. And the, the school of... That approach, I wish that there would be, you know, if you want to keep something survive, let that survive because <laughs> that's a language that um, the youngsters aren't aware of. Yeah. I think maybe one or two. I know that I heard about a couple of people in France and in Germany. To do that, Judy, is, um, is really a marvel. And I remember as a kid seeing a player piano, and that's the first time I heard it done at that level, when it was James P. Johnson, I think, uh. one of those pieces. But there were some people, I remember, family friends that would get together at a party, and you could see that happening too. And But it was, like, not really very advanced. But that spirit, the left hand playing just automatically, and you, it's a gift that um, I wish I had developed more, you know? And, uh, <laughs> That's a great honor to have you say that. I'm serious. I'm serious Oh, thank that. you so much. Thank you. Well, what would you like to do? that you haven't done musically? What do you see in terms of a project? Is there something that you can think of that... Oh, my goodness. ...sort of There's on the horizon? Lots, lots and lots. I seem to have lots of little ideas and things to do. Uh, and, um, I mean, it, it doesn't get old, so it's not like I have to come up with something brand new. One of the things I want to do, which is not about piano playing so much, I, I have a dream to show this um, folk music of Jamaica, which is um, very precious and let people know about it um, in a way that uh, they would go out of their way and, and find out about it. And the musicians, it's kind of like the blues mm -hmm. of, in America. Mm -hmm. 
people that are getting older and we want to preserve it. So it's something I feel like I want to do. And I love uh, Jamaica, especially Jamaica that I grew up with. Uh, that was um, a simpler time. And that music represents that. So I, I want to get involved and do something. And I have a friend of mine who is a top filmmaker who is interested in doing a documentary. You know, And it would be not unlike what happened with that marvelous story of the Cuban musicians, the Buena Vista Social Club. You must be familiar with that. Of course. And uh, something a little like that. So that's a kind of dream. I was thing. wondering about that because it's such a natural. It would be a perfect thing for you to do. Yeah. And educate people because anytime mm. you can bring that out to more people, that mm. was the best part of that movie is that so many people who didn't know anything about that music saw that movie and then went out and bought the CDs what and an bought amazing, related CDs. Amazing and, story and that those wonderful people that didn't have a chance to express themselves for so many years, all of a sudden this thing happens. It's like, what? What's going on here? They're big stars. Stars all over the world and enjoying an acceptance and the music too because beautiful songs coming out of Cuba, little romantic stories and really great. So anyhow, that's that's what that's a very exciting project. And um, other than other than just be as good as I can be. (laughs) (laughs) Well, it's just thrilling to have you here and to get to talk about this and find out what motivates Marty Alexander. That's very exciting for me. I have this list and and some new things too. It's great. I can't thank you enough for doing this. What a pleasure. I enjoyed myself, and I hope uh, we'll be able to hang out some more in the near future. Absolutely. Thank you. I want to come see you play and sit back there and take lessons. (laughs) Yes. (laughs) And I can tell Harold Jones about it. Our mutual friend, Harold Jones. Thank you. You've been listening to pianist Monty Alexander. I hope you'll join me here next time when I talk with another creative person about how jazz has inspired their life and work. I'm Judy Carmichael, the host and producer of Jazz Inspired. My production engineer is Kevin Abood. The closing theme music is from my CD, Trio. I'm on piano with Mike Hashem on sax and Chris Flory on guitar. Thanks to Steve Robinson, Carol Phillips, and Jamie Pierce. Find out more about our program on our website, jazzinspired.com. Judy Carmichael's Jazz Inspired is produced in association with Steinway & Sons and distributed by the WFMT Radio Network.